0: Hey, everybody, welcome back to a new episode of Me and the Gals. Today, it's just me, Ricardia, but I'm joined by a very special gal. Her name is Cleo. Which is not her real name i'll have you know but we'll figure out later why that is the case so cleo is a writer and a keynote speaker for several different formats and what she talks about is you will have guessed because the title of our episode is going to lead to it which is polyamorous relationships but she also focuses on feminism both in that context and outside of it female lust and simply day-to-day interaction between humans You'll find her on all sorts of channels. She'll talk more about that later. But one of them is, of course, her own blog, cliographie.de or .com, Clio? It's .com. But unfortunately, it's in German. Yes, yes, they are in German. So those of you who speak German, which I know there's quite a few of you there, definitely check her out there and she'll talk more about where else to find her later. But how did Cleo and I meet? So... Cleo and I were both speakers at a really wonderful event called Fail in Love Nights. And it was actually that night a collab with a podcast called Eine Stunde Liebe, which means an hour of love in English. So again, if you guys speak German, I beg you to check it out. Cleo did a really wonderful sequence on, yeah, polyamorous relationships at this time of her life. And the Fail in Love Nights, I just want to pitch to you. It's with Julie Stockheim, and it was a really great event. And so she travels around Germany to give these events and these stories space. So definitely check those out. You'll find them in the show notes too. All right, Cleo, first of all, welcome. It's wonderful you're here.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm a bit <laughs> like nervous or excited at the moment because it's my first time uh, doing a podcast in English. But yeah, I'm, I'm hyped Thanks for inviting
0: me. Nice, nice. Now, I think it's great that you're here and um, that we get to talk about this. I wanted to start out with some of the more obvious questions, which I know Cleo gets a lot of these (laughs) and she's always a little bit like rolling her eyes, I think like, oh, do we have to talk about this? (laughs) aspect again but just to sort of get into it the topic we're talking about polyamorous relationships is one that i've been thinking about a lot and as you a lot of my listeners know i wrote a book about breakups and about different models of being with each other in a romantic and or sexual way. But Cleo is the specialist. So my first question to you, Cleo, I know the one you get the most when people find out what it is you do. They ask you, how do you handle each other's jealousy when you decide to open up the relationship to third or more persons?
1: Yeah, the jealousy question. (laughs) Thanks for that. I'm not rolling my eyes. I think it's a really important one. Um, just for a quick start, um, I'm at the moment in w- in one long-term committed relationship uh, of about eight years. We used to live together for six years and are in an open relationship or being being non-monogamous um, for five years now. So, and this is why I don't get jealous anymore. <laughs> No, that's a lie. Um, I really like that you that your question implies that we do get jealous because most of the time people ask me if I get jealous, not how how do you handle jealousy. And um, I think most like ninety nine percent of people, whether they're monogamous or non monogamous, they get jealous. And um, at some point it's worse. At some point you get kind of used to it. But um, me and my long term committed partner. Um, I think we handle it like a bit more on our own. So I don't have to handle with his jealousy most of the time and vice versa. And to cut a long story short, there's two main reasons I get jealous. It's either envy or fear of loss or abandonment. And with the envy stuff, you know, um, I think of it as this is my problem, not like my own problem. If I get jealous because I think my, my boyfriend, he's spending a lot of quality time with someone else and I'm envying this time with him, I know... I either have to speak up about it and tell him, hey, I'd like to spend an evening with you, I'm like having, I don't know, awesome sex or like going out for dinner, whatever. And on the other hand, it's like, yeah, you know, I need to give him his space and it's good for him. And I like it. I'm feeling like compassion for him in this moment. So I just sit down and and yeah, and it's a lot to distract yourself. If I want to have some me time I do something like, I don't know, taking a bath, reading a good book, or I go out on a date myself, or I, I don't know, meet up with friends. Or if I feel like it, I just sit in my feelings, just sit with this feeling of jealousy and, I don't know, trying to realize what it is that I am missing at the moment, what it is that I need, and then try and communicate it. And with fear of loss of my partner or fear of abandonment, it's a bit more I don't want to say complicated, but a bit, it's a bit more urgent for me because I think this is something I really should share with my partner because I need him to know that I'm in what kind of mental state, headspace I'm in at this moment. And so that I give him the chance to act on it, maybe reassure me of his you know, love or trust and something like that, because I don't need to handle this on my own this is why I'm in a loving, committed relationship because I can reach out to my partner and tell him, "Hey, I need some support from you." Um, as long as it's not, I don't know, in a rage. <laughs> and um, this happened to me. So, <laughs> at some point in the past, um, because I don't know, I'm human, and sometimes I'm just—it's just too much for me, and I'm like, I, I didn't, I'm not patient anymore. I just need to. I don't know. Yeah, but. So this is how I handle this, you know, most urgent uh, facets of jealousy, the fear
0: and the envy. I love that differentiation that you make, that you say on the one hand, the jealousy is my responsibility, but when it comes to and jealousy being a momentary emotion whereas the fear of abandonment is not always a momentary emotion is it it's something that comes back that harks back to our childhoods and to say that one is something i can handle by myself mm-hmm. and the yeah. other is something i would like to handle in tandem with this partner i love that these are two different things that's a very interesting difference to draw between yeah. between the two yeah, yeah yeah
1: it took us a while to discover that but um yeah Communication is key. I think yeah, I'm going I'm yeah. to repeat that phrase.
0: <laughs> We're talking about relationships. Any kind of relationship requires some sort of communication, but we'll get to that point later, the logistics of it all. But I wanted to ask you, Cleo, what are some of the reactions you get from people? Do you, and do you tell them right away? I mean, you, you write under a pseudonym. Mm-hmm. So I'm guessing you don't really want to always reveal this side of you because... I mean none of us have to reveal how and whom and how many we have sex with or how many we love because this isn't just about sex. So what are some of the reactions that people have?
1: Yeah. Well, I write under a pseudonym for other reasons than that because I'm I'm really I'm happy to share my my sexuality details about my personal life because maybe I'm kind of an oversharer, I don't know. <laughs> I'm I'm really loud about that. That that's cool with me. But In a dating context, I think it's just fair to be upfront with people because, um, like, for example, in online dating, I uh, have this information in my Tinder bio so that everyone who bothers to read my profile before matching (laughs) uh, just knows I'm I'm not single. This is actually the only information which is, like, really sure at this point. I'm not single. Whatever non-monogamous is, whatever that means, is, like, is... A really individual definition but yeah um, I think it's just fair because most of the time people assume that other people are monogamous because it's the main relationship style in our society I guess and I don't want to I don't know disappoint people or I don't I don't think it's it's a good start to I don't know start at different points of knowledge you know yeah and um the reactions are various but for the most part they're really positive people are curious even if they start with almost always the same sentence they say um i could never be non-monogamous but how do you tell your partner you would i don't know like in a very rare scenario (laughs) how do you tell them (laughs) you know no they're, they're really interested and um sometimes they ask a lot of questions which i think are i don't know could be a bit personal but i'm i'm happy to share so for me it's not really a problem but still and only like rarely um people are really are get defensive so to say um sometimes they they get defensive and i don't really know why but i guess it's because they assume that i I don't know, I have the opinion that everyone should be non-monogamous and it's, I don't know, the more honest honest or, I don't know, better relationship style, which is not true.
0: That's interesting. Yeah. I think most of the time when we're judging or even just observing something, we're always doing so from an autobiographical standpoint, right? But I wanted to come back to something because I've noticed you you keep saying non-monogamous versus polyamorous am I missing something there it's not just semantics I'm guessing
1: (laughs) no it's not because I'm in a like I'm in a process at the moment I'm on a journey so to speak to calling myself polyamorous but I'm not actually there yet because I have never lived in like more than one really very highly committed relationships at the same time um and also, I thought, I'm not really in the position because uh, I don't get to communicate as much. I don't have, I don't know, kids with one person and share a home with the other or something like that. My experience is one really committed long term relationship and other various relationship styles with or without developing feelings. But I'm not there yet that I would call myself polyamorous. But I had an interesting conversation with a woman who calls herself poly. And she was like, but are you, are you able to love more than one person at the same time? And I said, yes, I am, definitely. I felt that. I know that about myself. And she said, so that in this case, you're a poly. You're not, maybe you're not living it like actively, poly, but I think there's so many levels in between. I need to sort this out for myself first. And as long as I'm not really, you know, (laughs) sure about this, I'm calling myself non-monogamous because this is what I am. I'm, I'm committing, I'm willing to commit to more than one person and I'm not sexually exclusive.
0: This okay. So would you say polyamorous means that I am indeed in love with more than one person versus non-monogamous just means the logistical setup is I've got one committed partner but then several sort of or just one other um partner or how would you distinguish between the two when you say you're on your way mm-hmm. to becoming polyamorous? Mm-hmm. I think non-monogamy is the umbrella term and being poly is part of it. Being in an open
1: relationship is also part of being non-monogamous, but it's not poly for most of the people. Being a swinger is also being non-monogamous at times, but it's like far away from being poly. Um, so this is this is why I call it an umbrella term. And this is why I think I'm not saying something wrong or making people think, expect certain things um, of me. Mm. If I just call myself non-monogamous, yeah, but you can also be solo poly, like not even in love with one person at at that point in time, but still considering yourself to be polyamorous because you're maybe looking for more than one partner.
0: Or you have the ability to love more than one person, even if that's not what you're actually doing Right. right now. Like, I'm single, but that doesn't mean I'm not able to, yeah. you know, love a person. I could be single. In fact, I am single, but I love a person. <laughs> you know, it's like that kind of scenario. I think yeah. there's just
1: like a third level even, um, and it's uh, regarding your resources. How much time do you have? Like how much for, for how many relationships do you have? Like space in your calendar? I would say I'm I'm a really privileged person because I have only one job and it's even it's not even full time. Um, I have my own apartment. I don't have kids. I'm really in a privileged situation because I have space for more than one partner. I have um, I'm in the headspace because I'm not dealing with any illnesses, any mental illnesses, any. You know, attachment issues, which is which is a fair point when I don't know <laughs> yeah committing to people. You know what I mean. So I have the capacity at the moment because my resources are because I have plenty of resources at the moment, and this can change. And I can like in the future still consider myself being a polyamorous person or a monogamous person, but not but maybe living sexually exclusive and having only one relationship at this point in time.
0: Okay. So since you already spoke about it, I was curious, of course, about the logistics of it all. Does it ever feel like sort of a a side hustle, literally a side hustle, just to get everybody on the same page, make sure feelings aren't heard, Mm -hmm. make sure there's time to meet, time to do the, I want to call it follow-up, like, was this okay for you? Especially if it's a new partner we're still exploring. Is there a lot of time and resources allocated towards this? And does that ever get tiring for you? Tiring enough for you to consider, you know what, I'm just gonna go monogamous because I don't got the resources.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think this would be a completely fair point, you know, Um, I didn't reach that. Um, I mean, during uh, COVID, I was living sexually exclusive. I was living a monogamous lifestyle because I had this live-in boyfriend back then and I wasn't dating, I wasn't meeting anybody because we couldn't, you know? So the circumstances play a big role in like the, if you're really acting on your non-monogamy or not. But to me, it's to this day, luckily didn't feel like a side hustle and being in relationship or being like involved with people that who fascinate me is not tiring to me so far. (laughs) So far, I don't know. As I said, I don't have kids and stuff like that. Um, But I could observe in other partners I had who had family, for example, who were like in an open marriage, for example. Um, They really, at some point, they really struggled because they wanted to meet me, especially in the beginning of our relationship because there was, you know, this new relationship energy going on. We wanted to have sex all the time. We really, yeah... We're looking forward to seeing each other again. And he really was struggling to make the time because he had all those responsibilities. And I get that, you know, and um, still you feel like the, I don't know, a bit disposable at some point because your priority is so low. But still, I think, and then at that point, I thought I, I was wondering, should I not date other people who are non-monogamous? Should I date people who are single, like mono-single, for example? And I think I'm allowed to shift. I just, I'm allowed to adjust my dating regarding the needs I have at this point in time.
0: I love that. And I think that goes for all of us. I know you spoke about it a little bit in the event that we both were at, where you said that, rules and the feelings about those rules can change over time, and that it's actually more of a living organism than a memo of bullet points that must be adhered to at all times. So I thought that was really interesting. But I'm looking at the time, Cleo, (laughs) and I can already tell you, I have like 5,000 more questions I want to ask you. So before we continue, do you think you would want to consider having a second episode where we talk about Some other aspects of this life of yours. Absolutely. Good, good. Okay. So then what I will try to do, because just in listening to you, I find that there's a lot of universal human truths that aren't just something about non-monogamy. They're just insights that I think sometimes you pick up more because of the kind of life that you lead with this non-monogamous lifestyle. So um I'll definitely want to touch on some of those uh, for next time, but I'll ask you one last question, because I think it's one that I really, really thought about a lot, which is how do you know how much you want to know about your partner's other relationships and how do you know when you're to pick up a word you used earlier oversharing about yours and in context with that, for me, I think I would realize that some of it really is a turn on to hear about how much joy or, or sexual energy was released with this partner and uh, with my partner and the other person. But at the same time, yeah, how much do you share, I guess, is what I would love to know.
1: Yeah, that's a really, really good question. I'm glad you're asking, um, because I don't have A clear answer besides my intuition. And I'm in the really, really comfortable position that I'm with a partner. I know him to the core by now. So I can tell (laughs) when I'm oversharing, (laughs) even without him stopping me, needing me to stop, which is always possible. In the beginning, I have to say, I'm a really, really curious person. And also, I, I like to share what I experience. So in the beginning, everything was really exciting because it was our first non-monogamous relationship. And we shared everything. We had this, you called it rule, I would say, I don't know, we had a setup of... Some, c- yeah other relationships, other people use this don't ask, don't tell rule. And I think this would make me feel super self-conscious and super insecure because I, in the beginning, I had this feeling I could control what was happening by just knowing every little detail of what was going on with him and this other person in bed or on their date or whatever. Which is a fallacy, you know. And just to
0: clarify, you guys didn't start as an open relationship no, yeah, or a non-monogamous yeah. one. You were, in fact, a monogamous relationship to begin with. Yeah. Am I am I remembering this right? Yeah, yeah. for for two and a half years, uh, I think. Mm. Yeah. So,
1: um, like over the course of some some years, it kind of like the the excitement from the beginning from doing something differently um, it washed out, so to say. So there was some kind of a routine going on and we um we stopped sharing so much and then at some point we said okay it's always everything's open for question so you can you can just ask whatever you want to know and i'm going to share what you want to know And I don't want to bother you with like the details of another clumsy first time sex, because we all know how this is going down. (laughs) So it's not as interesting anymore um, as it was in the beginning. But yeah, I think at some point there was some situation where I started to overshare. And because that depends on like the mood you're in from day to day, this is going to change. I told him, just interrupt me or just tell me this is too much for me. Or I'm not interested. I'm just not in in the hat space at the moment for I don't know. Hearing your dating stories, and um, so we agreed on not being grumpy about that, not feeling like set back, and I don't know, or cut off in the middle because we wanted to respect this really important boundary. And yeah, so far it's really going well that way. We, yeah.
0: Would you say that? Because the trust kept going up, the trust that we can do this together, the trust that we can trust each other, that the more this sort of increased, the less the need to give out every detail of this other sexual or romantic encounter. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I feel this is mm. this is really true.
1: Because um, one thing I learned was whether he's out with friends or, I don't know, doing sports or working late or having sex with someone else, It doesn't change anything for me. It doesn't change anything for me or for our relationship because it doesn't have anything to do with me. And this reassurance was just really calming me in a way. And I got more patient with people and I got more laid back and also a bit more secure. I don't know. I I knew my own worth, if that makes sense.
0: That makes a lot of sense. And in fact, I'm going to totally come back to that in our next episode, because what you say is a degree of freedom from what it sounds like that I think is very much worth aspiring towards in romantic contexts, especially, but even in life in general, this idea that you're doing something. Yes, I am romantically connected to you, but that does not mean that everything you do is connected to me or even a reflection of who I am to you. And I think that's amazing that you've been able to come to that point. I have a lot to learn from you, Cleo. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, Cleo, before we conclude, where can people find you? Tell us. People can find me if
1: they do speak German on my own blog, uh, cleografie.com.
0: And also, we have to expand for you. We have to get you on the english side now
1: (laughs) yeah yeah i know i know no i have no yeah (laughs) we'll speak about that later (laughs) no and um also i'm i would call it a podcast voice uh, because i'm collaborating um for for quite a while with this podcast you talked about earlier or this radio broadcasting Mm -hmm. thing called einstunde Liebe. and also if people are so kind and invite me to their own podcast. This is how you can find me. And I um, I shared some links on my blog to other really interesting uh, conversations and podcasts and shows. So um, just go there, click on the blog or find me on Instagram, which is um, at cleo.libro, uh, l. I B R O. We can put it into the show notes, I guess.
0: (laughs) Yes, I'll definitely pop all of these things into the show notes so you can find Cleo. She's very worth finding. So we'll make sure that happens. And I don't know if it'll be the next episode that airs, but I can see now for sure there's definitely going to be a polyamorous relationships part two on me and the gals, which I'm very much looking forward to. Thank you so much for sharing, Cleo. And till next time. Thank you so much for being interested and asking so nice questions (laughs) bye bye bye